Why did the countenance of Cain fall? I mean, he was mad at what God had said. What happened? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is on January the 2nd, Bible Discovery TV. We go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be focused on Genesis chapter 4. What happened? We'll talk about that. It was over an offering. We'll talk about that and more still to come. That's coming up in three minutes time. Corey is coming up in about 15 minutes time, Corey. All right. Well, I'm going to be talking about trust, human trust. Who do you trust and why does it matter? Ryan? All right. Well, today, Christian marine biologist, Dr. Rob Carter is my guest. And I asked him about the false concept of the fixity of species and whether the Bible teaches fixity of species or not. Very good, Ryan. Look forward to that. Robert Carter was a great interview. Uh, Janice, what are you going to do? Cain had a choice, and so do we. All right, very good. So let's get our Bible guide out. Let's read, let's understand, let's look at Genesis 4 and hear what God is saying. Genesis 4, 1 through 11. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. The origin of sin or the beginning of sin. This is really something as we begin to study the word of God today and look at a couple of things. I want to tell you something as we look at Genesis 3 and 5. Our topic today isn't a popular one. I think most of us are uncomfortable with it. So we tend to ignore it or justify it. It is sin. S-I-N. The word sin in Hebrew is used 299 times in 270 verses in the scripture of the King James Version of the Bible. It means offense and is identified as the thing that brings division between God's holiness and everything else. 
between what is good and not good. Sin is a trap for us. It often begins with something that is simple or seems simple and straightforward, but manages to tie us up into a complicated mess. Sin is not just action that goes against God. It's also something that festers in our attitudes, in our minds, and in our hearts. This makes it easier to hide parts of ourselves from people, only letting them see what we want them to see but still impossible to hide from God who sees all, all who we are and all what we do. Well, in Genesis chapter four, we see an example of sin that begins as a resentment and ends in murder. Now we can see this example in the path that evil takes when we let it go unchecked in our hearts and in our minds. Unchecked. Did you hear that? We let evil go unchecked. This is the essence of what God is saying. And he says this to a man, Cain, who is the brother of Abel. This is fascinating. It's what we're going to read today. And so take your Bible guide and let's get ready to study it. If you don't have a Bible guide, we'll tell you how to get one. You can call us or you can write to us or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the page And when you click on the page, it will take you to a place where you can download it. And uh, let me just say thank you for your donations. We really appreciate them right now. But you can download it exactly how we printed it. It's absolutely stunning and great. So as we do that, think this through. Father, teach us today as we talk about the beginning of sin, the origin of it and how it started in our hearts. Teach us your ways. We want to think like you think and not think like everybody else thinks. And teach us your paths. We want to do what you want us to do and not what we want to do or what everybody else wants us to do. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, with that in mind, let's turn to the scripture and learn what it says. Chapter 4 of Genesis. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived before Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And the process of time, or in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Which brings me to the first point that we look at. The countenance and attitude of Cain fell because of the rejection of his offering to God. We cannot win God over with our pretense We must be real in our actions and our decisions. Beloved, listen to me. We have to be real with God. If we are not, we can't expect to to pull one over on God. I mean, think about that. It's like Adam, when he sinned, hiding behind a bush. Really? God made the bush. Like, are you trying to hide from God? I mean, think about it. You can't do that. So, Cain gave an offering that did not please the Lord, 
Abel gave the offering. That was interesting because they were not eating meat at this point. And he offered one of the sheep. Very interesting, isn't it? And so God did not respect Cain's offering. Now, as a result of this, he rejected God and didn't like it. Well, let's read on because this is getting interesting in verse six. It says here, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? God begins to ask Cain the question, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Very important. The second point to think about and listen to is sin begins as a struggle in our minds and our attitudes, but we must overcome that struggle through the Holy Spirit. You see, temptation is not sin, but the beginning of sin. Very, very important. Now, as we think this through, consider this. Sin doesn't begin as just that's one sin, that's one sin. Sin is a, it, it fades slow. There was a song written some time ago talking about the slow fade out of your life from following Jesus Christ. It's a slow fade, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit. It's a fade, beloved. And if you don't believe in fades, then look at the last 50 years in our nations, how the world has faded into darkness. I want to tell you something. Sin doesn't begin suddenly. It begins very gently and it takes us down a path that we cannot tolerate. Now that's interesting because as we continue to read, we see something else here. I think it is in verse nine and we see it this way. Very important. Verse eight, it says, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass. It happened that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? What a question. Am I my brother's keeper? Now think about that. And he said, God said to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now, you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Temptation overcame Cain and he murdered Abel. You see, through the help of Jesus Christ, we must avoid temptation or we will always fall into sin. I like this because this is really important to remember temptation, we run away from. Paul said to this, said this to Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want you to flee away. I want you to get away from temptation because it can do you in. Get away from it. Very interesting. We need to run away from temptation. That's why when we come to Christ, we change our life, our life attitudes, where we hang out and what we do changes because we do not want to be in temptation. Beloved, that's something that we learn here in the scripture in Genesis chapter four. And it's something we need to pay attention to today. Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar? 
Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things, and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. If we're entirely different to every living, other living thing on Earth, we have entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators. Welcome back to the program. Today, I'm sharing another clip from this video set called A World by Design 3, which is available right now. And A World by Design is an ongoing series of mine in which I interview some of the top scientists and researchers in the world. And in the summer of 2023, I attended a Creation Super Conference in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, hosted by Creation Ministries International. And I was able to sit down with most of the scientists and speakers uh, at that conference. Now, on yesterday's program, you got to meet Dr. Robert Carter, a Christian marine biologist, and I asked him about his conversion to Christ and for some advice on how to respond to Bible cynics. Well, today I asked him to respond to yet another attack on the Bible, because it's often been claimed that the Bible teaches a concept called fixity of species, which is the idea that species don't change. Now, since species do in fact change, then this concept is wrong. But is this what the Bible really teaches? Here's Dr. Carter. So this concept of fixity of species, then, this is an old concept, it's a false concept. Not only is it a false concept, it's not a biblical concept. That came to us mainly from Aristotle. Hmm. In the Middle Ages, Aristotle, they, they had this thought that the earlier you were in history, the more pure your knowledge was, closer to Adam, <laughs> That's a not a good idea, but they elevated Aristotle, their early Greek philosopher, to this almost king-like status, and you could not disagree with what Aristotle said. You would be run out of polite society, as far as the intellectuals are concerned. And Aristotle taught the fixity of species. The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, there's an example in Genesis of a rapid change in a species. Jacob did it to his flocks. He took all white flocks. And within a couple of years, he had all flocks with speckled and spots and colors in them. So he changed it. And you think about coat color, right? I, I use the, um, the polar bear and brown bear example. Coat color is really important for the evolutionary community. And here we have these sheep and goats change their color within just a couple of years, right in the Bible. So we know that things are designed to change. We know the species are not fixed. But Darwin... So even though people had been writing about this for a long time before him. But he says, oh, look, I see examples of change over time. The Bible teaches fixity species. Therefore, the Bible's wrong. But that's not true. So our modern concepts in the creation movement are, we have a lot of adaptability. We have a lot of potential change. Uh, it's whatever God put into that original genome and Honestly, he even put the potential for change into those genomes. Because when he wrote like the gene for coat color in, in dogs or something like that, well, that's a very mutable gene. We see a lot of variations in coat color. But if he didn't want to change, he could have used different letters. Because in chemistry, some of the letters of, in DNA mutate faster than other letters. So if you want to mutate, you put a C there. That very often will turn into a T. You don't want to mutate, put a G there. So when he coded those genes, he coded some genes, almost hard-coded, so they could not mutate. And other ones, he made them very mutable. So he didn't necessarily create, you know, chocolate labs. 
but he created the potential for them to arise later because of the way he coded that initial genome. So we have the created kind, lots of genetic variation, plus the future possibility of guided mutations. Not like, you know, God says mutate, but according to laws of chemistry, he put them in a channel so that he knew which way they would mutate into the future. And that's what we see. So all of Darwin's evidences, all his change over time, uh, those are biblical evidences for creation. Thank you, Mr. Darwin, for pointing out that species change, but you actually prove nothing. That's all within creationism. What else do you have? So as Dr. Carter explained, this fixity of species concept came from Aristotle, not the Bible. The Bible teaches that God made created kinds like the dog kind, the cat kind, the horse kind, and so on. But God designed these kinds to change, not into different kinds, but different species. Dogs change, as we see showcased through the many different species, but they don't change into a different kind of an animal, such as a horse. You could say that the Bible teaches fixity of the kinds, which is correct. On the other hand, evolution requires that animal kinds must change into other kinds, but this is clearly false. Now, Dr. Carter will be back again tomorrow, but until then, remember, you can order A World by Design Part 3, which has every single interview that I recorded completely uncut. It's seven, seven hours of material, and it's for a suggested donation of $60. To order the DVD set, you can call, write, or go to our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And if you're going digital, then you can just simply download it through the website. It's important to remember that you can get the full impact of the interviews because you put them all on there. Uh, and this is something that is a lifelong thing. I mean, you're going to want to take a look at this for life because uh, this is this is one of the things you do. And this is the establishment, you know, World by Design 1, World by Design 2, World by Design 3. So this is what we do here. And it's very, very important. Thank you, Ryan, mm -hmm. so much. Corey? All right. Well, again, today, I just wanted to take some time to look at uh, something that we can really draw out of Genesis 3 and 4 in particular, and how it develops a theme that is integral throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that is trust in God over and above trust in the self. And, and this may seem obvious, but I still want to draw our attention to it. I mean, we see with Adam and Eve, when this trust in God it, when they experienced failure, it was because they decided to trust their own judgments, particularly Eve first, right? She trusts her own judgments over and above what God had said. So she chose not to, to trust what God had said about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Genesis 3 tells us when she saw that the fruit was good, it was good for consumption, she ate it. She ate of it. And I mean, think about this. If you were Eve, you could justify this. God created fruit to be eaten. He created the human body to need food, to need sustenance. So if we were Eve, we could sit there and go, well, I'm hungry. God created me to be hungry. He created me to need to eat fruit. This is a fruit. It is good to eat. Therefore, I should be able to eat it. So Eve trusted in herself over and against trusting in the word of God, who had said explicitly, don't do it, right? And she sins and she falls and Adam with her, same thing, 
right? Doesn't trust God, trusts Eve and trusts himself. And then what happens in the next chapter in Genesis 4 is Cain and Abel. And I know there's emotional things tied up in there because Cain has resentment against Abel, but God comes to Cain. And he tells him, look, sin desires to have you, but you must master it. You must. But rather than listening to the word of God, rather than trusting the word of God, Cain trusts himself. And he makes a horrible decision and gets his life all bound up into judgment, sin and judgment. So many times throughout the Old Testament of the Bible and the New Testament of the Bible, we have examples of this where we need to trust God. We need to trust his morality and his moral laws. Because just like Eve, just like Cain, we could sit here and justify our own sinful inclinations all day long. You know, if you've, if you've read the New Testament before and you've read the books of, of Corinthians, the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we see them involved in this too. We do this all the time. We try to find ways to justify our own sin, to justify our own lives, even if there's a clear moral law against it in the Bible. But my question to you and my question to me is who are we gonna trust? Are we gonna trust our own feelings, which as an adult, even as a teenager, if you're watching and you're a teenager, you know that your feelings can lie to you. You can perceive someone's words to you and read into them something that's not there. If you're having an emotional day, you can misunderstand people. So we know that our feelings can be wrong. They can mislead us. So are we gonna trust our own feelings and try to justify our sin? Or are we going to trust God? And I wanna leave you with a, a very famous passage in Romans chapter four. You know, Paul in Romans, he's talking about Abraham and how even in the Old Testament, people of faith were saved by trusting God, by their faith in God, rather than being morally superior, right? Rather than doing all the right things, we're not saved by that. We're saved by trusting God for his righteousness. Romans four verse five says, However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Listen to that. If we trust God who justifies the ungodly, that is very good news for us. He knows that we have sin. He knows that we're not perfect, but if we trust him, that he is going to save us like he said he would, then he will. We gotta trust him over and above ourselves. And that really, Corey, that is where I was going with my segment as well. That, and when you read this and you read it carefully and thoughtfully, God didn't let Cain just do what he did without confronting him. Yeah. And telling him the way out that this is going to happen to you. It's not probably, it. this is yeah. going to happen to you, but you have a choice to make here, mm -hmm. you know, and you read it. If you do well, will you not be accepted? God says to Cain. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. God's telling him, God's telling us that sin's desire is for us. Satan wants to come in. He wants us to make that wrong choice, but God says, but you should rule over it. Mm -hmm. And we know through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that he makes a way for us to escape 
that temptation. And we all will be tempted, but there's always a way of escape. Temptation is not the sin. Mm -hmm. It's when we act on that temptation. And, you know, it, it can, it can be very slight, can't it? Um, and I think you'll know what I mean when I talk about we read in God's word and, and somehow we can justify it and say, oh, well, if I, if I just compromise a little bit, it's not going to be a big deal. But then, you know, when you open that door, it, what, what starts out maybe as a small drip can lead into a vast ocean. Absolutely. And then compromise becomes, well, I can do this and I can do that. And I'm okay with God because God's okay with me. Mm-hmm. And that is a lie. There are things that God directs us to do, and with his help, we can. You mentioned Paul's writing, and I want to bring up 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, to to any of you who are are listening right now. Um, So that's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And that's the important thing for us to remember. We are human. We have weaknesses. Cain was angry. His countenance fell. A lot of the things that we will be reading as we go through the Bible this year, there will be hard things for us to, to understand, for us to think, well, I don't do it that way. Um, but you know, God should be okay with that. He's not. There are certain things that he's not. And and as you have well pointed out, it's our faith and our trust in a faithful and true God. Mm-hmm. That. Um, so my question is, this is interesting because on the next program, we're going to talk about one of the most controversial subjects, and that is the flood. The flood, Noah's flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it global? Was it local? Did it really happen? And most of the people who talk about this in the scientific community don't believe in a flood, but there's a small group of scientists who do. So we'll talk about that and more next time on the program. In the meantime, let's study on and let's learn more about the Bible. Beyond the Call is a program that we do here, and we talk to individuals about what God has done in their life. It's a testimony program, and it's very good. Watch your stations, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and discover Beyond the Call, or you can get it wherever you get your podcast, Beyond the Call. I want to encourage you to watch it. Today we pray, Lord, help me to keep my mind focused on you. I need help to do that in today's world, in Jesus' name. Amen.